I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where someone is getting a little grabby in Mad Max Fury Road one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 104, which begins with Max nearly getting crushed between the tanker and the doof wagon, and it ends with Furiosa narrowly hanging on to the side of the Giga Horse. Back again for more Fast and Furious Fisticuffs are our fantastic friends, Nathan Porter and Jenny Rist. Hey there, Rick. Hey, guys. Now, we kick off Wednesday's minute with a very exciting situation. Max is clinging to the back of the tanker and the guy driving the doof wagon, this old bald dude. With a doll in the back seat? Yep. Baby on board. (laughs) He has decided that it is going to be his job to try to crush Max. And so he is all gung-ho screaming. And I tried to figure out who this guy is. And I could not find out. And that makes me so disappointed in myself. Joe Pesci. (laughs) Definitely Joe Pesci. That said, out of everyone, he seems to have had the best dental plan. He's got good teeth. He has excellent teeth. Especially given his age. He's he's done well in the the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Maybe he was a dentist. I'm really hoping that someone, A, knows who this guy is, and B, takes the time to post in Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone who this guy is, because I feel like it is someone, and I can't put my finger on it. Is anybody going to explain the doll thing to me, or is it just like creepy intimidation factor? I'm a little distracted by his old man nipple that I can see through the steering wheel right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is that his nipple or his thumb? No, you see the thumb and the nipple. Oh, okay. I think. Down by his scarf? Down by the tip of his thumb? I decided that that nipples are a recurring theme of this movie, Mm. and I think it is up to us to decipher the meaning of that theme. Well, important to think about nipples. Nipples are a source of mother's milk. Mm-hmm. They and are. And mother's milk is a recurring thing in this movie. It pops up all over the place. I dare say, though, that male nipples play a more prominent role in this movie than female nipples. I would think that is by design. That it is an effort for the male nipple to invade a space that is normally held exclusively by women as a way to exert dominance over it in accordance with the theme of this movie. It's totally Freudian of just like obsession with nipples and milk to just be like, okay, well, here's mine. Like super, super Freudian to just want to emulate what you admire and aspire to be. Now you guys are diving all into this. And after just finishing Good Omens, all I can think of is Shadwell asking how many nipples everyone has. If you haven't seen Good (laughs) Omens, that is exactly what popped into my head. I don't know if there's a minute for it yet, but I'm hoping that someone does a Good Omens minute. The way to figure out if somebody is a witch is is if they have more than two nipples. Oh, yeah. So this guy walks around and asks, like, how many nipples do you have? Yeah. And the answer is always like, just the two. A witch will (laughs) always have at least one extra nipple to nurse their familiar with. Well, to nurse their familiar, which is a companion creature, not to nurse their familiar with. English is funny. Rick is displaying a yet unexpected amount of knowledge (laughs) about the reason someone might have a third nipple. I would like to thank the Lore Podcast for my knowledge about witches and nipples. Okay. We were talking about witches a couple weeks ago with Rob Lumley and the boys. Oh, that's right, because witches always have white hair. 
That's right. He made a joke or a comment or an association that the Keeper of the Seas was a witch. I mean... How many nipples did she have? Yeah. <laughs> we never find out, but she was growing a plant out of a tiny animal skull. It looked like a little dragon skull. It kind of did. It was probably like an antelope or something like that, but it definitely looked draconic in nature. <laughs> it wasn't actually a skull. It was just one of those keepsakes you get in like really lousy gift shops. <laughs> I can picture it now. They break into an old abandoned building and it turns out to be just a tourist trap. And they're like, oh, look at all of these old artifacts. And it's just literal garbage. <laughs> Stuff that no one wants. <laughs> kind of like the doll yep. that's sitting behind <laughs> the driver of the doof wagon. Bringing it back. Creepy doll with also a painted face. Yeah. I feel like dolls and stuffed animals and things in vehicles driven by old people is not something that's exclusive to my grandparents. No, it's widespread. I mean, it's bad when you think the Beanie Baby collection in the back of the window is the kindest of the things that you can see. <laughs> I'll take a Beanie Baby pile over Creepy Doll here. It's not Annabelle levels creepy, but it's just kind of odd to see. I'm a simple girl. I don't want anything in my car. At all. I want my car perfect like it's fresh from the dealership at all times. I mean, that's what I want. It's not what I have. <laughs> <laughs> As someone scarred by the movie Chucky when I was very young, this just creeped me out. Dolls don't really creep me out. I used to get a porcelain doll every year nope. from the time I was three nope. all the way up until 12. So I had a room that was just covered in porcelain dolls. No. Nope. <laughs> how you get murdered. No. Nope. <laughs> I gave them to Katie. They're in our house. <laughs> They're in her closet in Order, our house. Now you know how you die. <laughs> yeah, that thumping noise that you heard the other day. That said, there is a hollow wall in our house, and my temptation to now hide them in the hollow wall. Katie admittedly thinks they're very creepy, and that's why they're in her closet. <laughs> <laughs> we slept in that room once. Yeah, you definitely did. Yep. yep. Creepy closet in the trunk. Closet full of porcelain dolls just sitting there. Fun. <laughs> well... The doof wagon is unable to effectively squish Max because he's able to climb up on top of the VW bug that's attached to the tanker there. And it flings the doof warrior around, but he's fine. He's got his bungees. So we can switch ends of the war rig from the tanker over here to the rig proper as Rictus leaps down onto the bonnet of the war rig. And there is someone who is very conspicuously absent from this shot. Where is Furiosa? She's no longer hanging on to the back of the Giga Wagon. Yeah. Which I did not hmm. know it was called that. Yeah, where'd she go? Now, we're going to see her reemerge later on in this minute. Yeah, her stunt double's on lunch break. Yeah. I'm thinking she's pulling a Wes. And just isn't there? Because you remember back in Road Warrior, yes. they had that wide shot of the rig turning around and Wes is supposed to be hanging on to the front he of the rig there. And he's there. just he's wasn't just there. there. And then he just popped up later on. <laughs> I think Furiosa is using, let's pull something out of the air. She's using an invisibility cloak from Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know. For sure. With, that, with how crazy magic. this movie is, just whatever. Yeah, you've got a zombie guy playing with no eyes playing a guitar for funsies in the back here. And we all of a sudden like, oh, invisibility cloak. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's where the line is. Fine. <laughs> so Rictus, as I mentioned, hopped down onto the Warwick and he grabs Cheeto, throws her right up onto the Giga Horse. And the dag has popped out of the moonroof to shout after Cheeto, like, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? You did not explain your plan to us, so what is going on? And 
Rictus turns around and he's like, target acquired. <laughs> now, I want to mention too, in this turnaround shot, now this would have been a spot where you maybe like Furiosa had somehow made it while Rictus was climbing out onto the back of this thing. But she's not in the shot either. Mm-hmm. Like you can see clearly behind Rictus mm-hmm. and he's hoisted Cheeto, but nope, still no Furiosa. And I love how Capable pulls the dag down into the rig and the dag just has this look on her face like, oh, I just painted a target on my face and capable has the most amazing expression right now she looks like jillian anderson right there she reminds me of she looks like uh scully got that x-files thing going on yeah if she could shoot lasers out of her eyes oh yeah she would be doing it right now nux looks like he's just got the worst uber passengers ever (laughs) (laughs) this uber pool has really gone off the rails He's like trying not to be interested, but can't help it. He's like, oh, guys, you messed up my Prius. <laughs> and Jillian, meanwhile, is also in the back seat, and she's just like, where did he come from? What is that? That's a, that's a big dude. And what's coming out of his nose? What is coming out of his nose? Oh, it's a nasal cannula. Just for like breathing? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with Rictus in particular. Oh, his vape rig is impressive. Like, he is a very... Big, strong, trim dude for someone with a breathing problem. Well, he drinks his mother's milk. Yeah, big and strong. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't help with asthma, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's what the the dual tank flamethrower backpack combo is for. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very sophisticated system. You've got the air filters, you've got the tubes, you've got the tanks and the cannula and all that other lovely stuff. And not to mention the chin strap. Absolutely. Ah, it's, it's a very classy, flesh-colored chin strap. When you first see Rictus, actually almost makes you think that he might have a skin issue or some scarification before you realize it's a chin strap for his breathing rig. Like, when I first saw Rictus, I actually thought he had some scarification going on or ah. something with his face. Is that okay. the sort of thing that would hold a chin up and closed? Yes. So he's probably a bit slack-jawed normally when he doesn't wear the mm. flesh-colored so strappy it's, thing. it's Spanx for his face. Yeah. That's what you're telling that me. Face Spanx. Yeah. Face yeah. Spanx. Things I identify with. <laughs> <laughs> Spanx. So it's like Spanx? Right. Yeah. It's my input to this minute. <laughs> so Rictus, having seen that the other wives are here in the war rig, trundles his way over, reaches down into the moonroof like he's grabbing ice cream out of a freezer, and he latches onto the dag's arm and starts pulling her up out of the war rig here, and it is not pleasant to watch. She is not having a good day right now. In slow motion in which we're, like, walking through this screen, it almost is just with Rictus being a bit simple. He's like, oh, I'm gonna give you the worst Indian sunburn ever. How about you pretty much turned him into the Macho Man Randy Savage? (laughs) I mean, that's my my Rictus voice right there. Oh, yeah! gonna slap into a dag. I had a baby brother. I mean, come on. I have a baby brother, dude. No, that's this Hogan. I never watched wrestling in the 90s, so I don't they have everybody down. They kind of blend together. Uh, yeah. They're all just keying off of each other, and Rictus would fit right in right there. He really would. Well, Rictus was, needs to be on the WWF. He in was. Fairness. What? At, Wait, what? At some point. Yeah, the actor. Not, not, <laughs> not actually not before Rick. the apocalypse. Yeah, not. Rick's backstory, inbred wrestler. <laughs> Went head to head with Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a horrible. I know that there's a rule against doing accents, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can impersonate professional wrestlers. I don't think you need to worry about those type of accents. Yeah. Back when we first met Rictus, back in minute 11, 
I was talking about his history, and he went to prison for a while, discovered powerlifting, became a national powerlifting champion. He is, by the way, six foot eleven and three hundred and fifty pounds. Christ, a big dude. Yeah, he had an extensive professional wrestling career between 2001 and 2008, and the only reason he stopped is because he was sideswiped by a cement truck and got nerve damage in his <laughs> arm that forced him to stop. Not the arm that's currently hauling. Okay, but also, like, he get hit by a cement truck, like, on his personal time or when he was wrestling? I think he was, like, riding a motorcycle. I don't watch professional wrestling, but I feel like cement truck feels like a thing that might happen. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a, an actual vehicle, not okay, a God, move called God. the cement truck. <laughs> Calling all wrestlers, looking to see that. What did he go to prison for? Eight counts of armed robbery. So this is kind of like a redemption story for this guy. Like eight counts robbing, and now he's a main character in a Mad Max movie. That's a good progression. I mean, he went. He went to jail when he was eighteen. Okay, like when you're a teenager, you do dumb stuff. You knock over convenience stores with a weapon. Do do you do that? You get sent to jail for seven years and discover powerlifting. It's It's what everybody does. (laughs) Who cannot empathize with that? It's nice to hear that, despite his breathing difficulty, he's turned his life around. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure breathing. It's just the character. <laughs> okay, but wouldn't it be great if, like, he had a legitimate, like, asthma issue? And like they were like, we're going to build that persona. right in. Like, like not, not like a seriously one, but, like, <laughs> camera take breaks. <laughs> like, it is Serious one. Not like he's in the middle of a rig and they're like, oh, no, here he comes with the asthma attack. <laughs> oh, my God, that's great. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of just like Captain Asthma right now. That is the biggest inhaler I have ever seen, but, you know. I gotta get on that. It's something all right. All right, so we're pulling her out. Yep. And Jillian does not like this idea, so she pops out of the open roof, and she has this hammer in her hand. It's hard to see exactly what kind of hammer it is. Oh, it's like a mallet. Like a metal mallet type of thing. And it's a pretty solid hit. She catches him right on the side of the head. Although, given that his jaw remains attached, maybe it's like one of those rubber ones we use camping to put stakes in. Like, <laughs> Could be. You know, still, getting hit with a rubber mallet is mean, not going to feel good. Yeah. And you know, Rictus shakes it off and decks her. Just right, boom. Right hooks her in the chin. Punching old ladies left and right. Mm. And Joy, who, I mean, I'd forgotten about her up to this point because <laughs> so much other stuff was happening. She's still hanging out on the tanker. She lost her ramrod, so I don't know how she's supposed to be refilling this rifle. Yeah, why, reloading why is it. she in the post-apocalypse using a flintlock rifle? Well, it's, it's because you don't have to necessarily use the cartridged ammunition that more modern rifles use. You can oh, improvise, fair. you know, carve your own ammunition type stuff. But anyway, she sees Jillian get punched in the face and she's like, I am not having this. You are not punching my friend. And so as Max climbs over the end of the tanker, Joy's like, hey, and just goes after Rictus, which does not have the desired effect. I am delighted at the effect, though, that it gave us the line, hey there, big boy. Yep. That is probably one of the better ways to call out an enemy, which is, you know, a line that has typically maybe been used even in her history. Under very different circumstances. And, And now it's, you know, oh, hey, Rictus. Guess what? There are certain contexts where you could use Hey There, Big Boy in a very different context. Be like, ah, Hey There, Big Boy. Instead of here where it's like, Hey There, Big Boy. And then 
baseball swing with the end of a rifle. Is he wearing garlic? No, those are doll heads. Yep. Oh, good. Yep, yep, That's we're... better. <laughs> Recurring theme here, little doll heads. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Don't know why. All right. I will say, and I'm sure that this has come up before, and it's going to continue to come up forever, but post-apocalyptic fashion just completely befuddles me, and I cannot... I, I can't. I just... I can't. Like, why? Why all the straps? Why? Some... Why so many belts? So many belts all the time. It's well, just over-accessorizing. Da- you just simplify. Circling back, so you mentioned too many belts. Fiorosa, notorious for wearing a lot of belts, but all of hers... If you notice, utilitarian. Yeah, they all, and I would love to see, like, all of the rigging to make her arm work, but they are all totally tied to how those belts are attached to Mm -hmm. her body. Yes. Them being fastened in a particular fashion and then rigged to her arm are how that arm moves and does what it does. You could argue that all of those belts around her midsection are one of the reasons she's able to keep functioning so well, Mm -hmm. because they're constantly putting pressure on her abdomen where she was just stabbed. Fair. I mean, now she's under an invisibility cloak. Right, so who knows what she's doing under there. (laughs) I like the fashion because it feels very freeing. Mm. It's less about how you look and more about what's around. Yeah, Mm. like all of the Vuvolini have pockets. (laughs) That's true. They took the world back and and really leaned into the pockets. You know, if you think about it, the fashion really has been kind of flip-flopped, where the men in this movie are the ones wearing, like, the heavy makeup and wearing a crap ton of accessories, and the women are the ones that are wearing the utilitarian outfits. And so it's very opposite to what we have now. Like, dude, Joe's smoky eye is intense. Okay. (laughs) It is. And even the wives who started out scantily clad. Mm Mm-hmm. When they well, they were scantily yeah, they were scantily clad through like out of necessity, yeah. yes. you know. And when they freed themselves, they brought with them extra fabric and covered themselves up to their own taste. Right. That part I like a lot. Now all we need though is like one of the mothers to, you know, come out with cargo shorts and mandals and then we're, we've come full circle. Wait, what are mandals? Yeah, what the heck is a mandal? A man sandal? It's a man sandal, but specifically it's one that's kind of like a Birkenstock but Worn with shorts. You know the Velcro sandals? Oh, Tivos. Yeah. Oh, do you remember? Oh, or yeah. Tivas. 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 But like, yeah. the Velcro sandals, and made worse when someone wears high calf-length socks. white white socks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, so no. get that combined with some, like, solid Walmart cargo shorts. No, thank you. you know, I think it would be you. time for another apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> At that point. Apocalypse of a different nature. Yeah. <laughs> like... Humanity continues to fail if that's the case. <laughs> All right. So Makes me heads. wonder how many times we failed before. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still waiting for us to like we finally the, get to the Mars ancient, and say Earth is our next hope. The ancient yeah. drawings of like the mandals and the cargo heads <laughs> on the side of the pyramids. It's like the kids in the third movie who tell the story of oh, like God. the plane crash that got them there. And they're like, and there were those among us who wore the cargo shorts. <laughs> Yes, fear the cargo shots. (laughs) Getting back into the minute, I mentioned that Joy baseball bat swings her rifle at Rictus, but I guess her shouting out, hey, big boy, and giving that much of a windup gives Rictus plenty of time to catch her rifle, and then he throat grabs and tosses her right off the side of the war rig. And it's upsetting because it means we've lost another one of the Vuvolini. It does? I have a question about being thrown off the trucks. 
This isn't the first time that someone has simply gone out of frame over the side of the truck. What exactly happens? I mean, obviously they hit the ground, but are they just dead? Oh, she's definitely getting run over by one of the myriad war party cars. They're going to turn to specifically run her over. Now, of course, we've seen that before. I'm watching the scene and... She gets thrown pretty clear. Now, there's a few people you see get knocked down and get sucked in to the Giga Horse's tires, because talk about the meaty tires on the Giga Horse, it's a lot of rubber. But she gets thrown far. So I see her actually making it, like, to the side of the canyon with that kind of toss. I mean, Rick just had some oomph behind that push. Yeah. So you think there's a chance? I'd say there's a chance. Well, we never see a body. (laughs) This calls back. Did you see the body? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Throwing back to lines. We didn't see a body, so... And we didn't maybe see a body with Antoinette, either. Yeah. Okay, so let's say she survived, and maybe some other of the uh, Imperators who have previously been thrown. Say they survive. Well, what happens for them next? The war party is moving on. They're not stopping. So they're going to be left behind, injured for sure, and the Rock Riders are going to come and collect mm. them and take them as prisoner or just kill them on the spot. I'd say or, kill them on the spot. Or take there's their a fate worse than death out there. So uh, there definitely is in this world. Yeah. Can we talk about her attack strategy in this? Like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of ways to come into to attacking Rictus. Like I said. Announcing? Probably. Stealth is always a better option. Yeah. But I think her intention was to distract from what he was trying to do. True. So I I think that her intent was less to win the attack and more to distract and give the people inside the cab a chance to pull back. Yeah, if the goal is to stop old lady punching, Mm -hmm. she did stop some old lady punching. I say old lady. They're not like old, old. They're... They're older the keep, than the wise. The, key, the Keeper of the Seeds is the oldest of the Vuvulini. All of the other ones are just, like, normal people. <laughs> wow, because old people aren't normal? <laughs> Ouch. I mean, maybe not in if this you're in like an If you're an octogenarian, well, you're in a different class of person. I don't think she was an octogenarian. I think she was a generation or two older than Furiosa. Do you think Joy's move was knowingly sacrificial? No. No, I don't, I don't think it was knowingly sacrificial. It might not have been knowing at all. She could have just, her blood was up. She's like, nope, make him stop what he's doing. Yeah. She might not have been a thought thing. She probably thought, I am going to hit him with my rifle and it is going to hurt him. And she didn't expect to be going up against the Incredible Hulk. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame that she couldn't shoot him. Mm. Because the Vuvulini have a reputation, at least among us reviewing it minute by minute, if not in the world, of one shot, one kill. Hmm. Yeah, they've made their shots count a lot. Like, at the start of this battle scene, outside of these minutes, their shots count. They're just killing people left oh, and yeah. right. So. Yeah, they're very efficient. I think partly because they have that... It takes them so long to reload their rifles. Yeah. Yes. Gotta make them count. But at the end of the day, we've lost Joy. She's no longer involved in this situation. And Max, seeing one of his allies get thrown from the war rig, turns around, reaches down into the love bug, as Julia hates me calling it, and he pulls out a skull. Now, this is an interesting point to bring in a side conversation that we had about where this bug came from. Yep. And apparently it has its own story about two people in it at the apocalypse and just going off into the wild to make love and then dying in the apocalypse. Yeah, go out and be all hippie-like. And as we were talking about that story off microphone, there was a detail that I neglected to include in earlier episodes that Julia was very (laughs) upset at me for not sharing earlier. 
So apparently after the two girls that go off to the woods to frolic and be free die an awful, terrible death of hemorrhaging and coughing their lungs out due to the radiation. So they die in this car and their skulls were, what were they? They They were were taken, dipped in pitch, and then added to the war rig as ornament. Right. Like you do. So this is the skull. This is this is this is what we're seeing right here. We're seeing that throwback to that very specific story. It's really sentimental, I guess. Would you like <laughs> would you like to believe that it's one of the, the two young women from the story? Oh yeah, it's definitely the blonde one, for sure. <laughs> I mean it, it would be funny to kind of like bring it about the story about, you know, female empowerment, things like that. Like, hey, she's helping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she and I help. Yeah, she's defending the war rig. <laughs> that does bring up the point. I've noticed, and we have noticed skulls on the rig before. Notably, uh, there was a handgun hidden behind a skull that mm. was easily broken, and the handgun was retrieved. I've noticed skulls in other places. Do you think the other skulls on the war rig are also? I think sentimental is a strong word, but meaningful. The skulls of people that Furiosa knew, or people that she vanquished, or something. I think vanquished is a better way to... Like, some people draw notches, some people... Mount skulls? Mount skulls. Yeah. <laughs> this is her teardrop tattoo? That's what I you're guess telling so. me? <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Furiosa, right around second 22, she reappears climbing on the front of the war rig. I guess she... Miraculously. Lost yeah. the invisibility cloak as she was hiding down well, there. She sucked under the tire. Now, the Giga Horse is, is a pretty high up vehicle. Oh, yeah. But it's raised in such a way, because there's different ways to raise vehicles and do suspension, where the suspension itself is not actually that raised. Now, what we're seeing is you're seeing the vertical bar go up where it attaches to the body of the vehicle. But usually there's a cross axle yep. in here, which is actually still down by the tires. It's not independent rear suspension on this vehicle. So my thought is, like, you know, was she maybe down at the bottom of the Giga Horse, like, standing on like the transfer case for that axle of that vehicle? I think she was hiding down here on the cow catcher. Like I said, pulling a Wes, hiding down behind the front of the war rig here. Mm. So that way she can climb back up, which honestly, sand plow. all the climbing that she's doing, it can't be good. But Rictus turns and he notices, oh, hey, look, there's Furiosa the whole time. And not only that, but Cheeto is reaching down to Furiosa to help her climb up onto the Giga Horse, thereby revealing that the whole Rictus take me thing was just a clever ruse. <laughs> and his face totally just says, I have been deceived. <laughs> And Cheeto, she looks up and realizes that Rictus has noticed that her deception took place and it's this whole thing. And Rictus is like, oh, Rictus smash. And he's then- trying to pull a people's eyebrow. <laughs> he is trying to pull a people's eyebrow. He wants to do it so hard. And from behind, Max just wings <laughs> oh, that God, skull at him. beautiful shot. And it... Don't they have a sound effect in it too? Isn't it like a thunk? It might as well be. Although now that I slow it down, does that look like the skull or is it him throwing a box? Yeah, it's totally not the skull that he actually throws. Yeah, this is this is a prop that he throws. Yeah, what a bummer. It's like a soft sandbag in case he accidentally hit Rictus in the head. Oh wait, does he actually hit? No, he actually does hit Rictus. It like bonks off the top there. Yeah, it bonks and then hits to the left. Yeah, so clicking through slowly, Max. 
has this box in his hand. Gonna go his... with the yoga block. Yep. So he tosses it. It flies through the air, bonks off at the top of Rictus's head, and Rictus does a duck flinch. And in that, he flinches by ducking down. Yeah. Not a duck-styled flinch, if <laughs> just to clarify myself. But then he turns no around. No occurred. <laughs> but then he gets this look on his face like, who throws a skull? Honestly. <laughs> who does that? That's like an Austin Powers moment. He overly looks around. Like, there's a lot of emphasis put in his <laughs> look almost, around. His, uh, the Max almost kind of throws his hands up like, what up? <laughs> I love the come at me, bro. <laughs> And it's so quick. It's just a little flick of the hands. But just, he, he stands up vertically, throws out his hands, and, and does like the raised eyebrow, like, hey, what up? <laughs> there you go. That eye acting. There it is again. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. He's calling Rictus out. <laughs> so Max leaps from the tanker onto the war rig, and he doesn't get as high of a jump as he probably want, because he falls to his knees on the back of the war rig, and he pulls back, and he punches Rictus in the stomach. But Rictus completely face palms Max. Like, this is not the situation you want to be in because that hand is covering the entirety of Max's face. Oh, yeah. That is, that is a big mitt right there. You just lick his palm. Everybody hates that. <laughs> just, like, lick it. Well, he'll be like, he'll take it away. <laughs> also, I figured Max would fight a little more dirty than this. Like, he could have gone for... The a below jet. the belt punch. Yeah. When he was fighting Furiosa, he threw sand in her face. If he had pocket <laughs> sand. Uh, which I feel like everyone in the wasteland has pocket sand. Whether they want to or not. Right? It's one of those base things that comes in your character loadout is pocket <laughs> sand. Yeah, if Max had just aimed a little bit lower and gotten for the kibble and bits there. That's it. We don't know much about Rictus and any of his other disformities. He could be just as resilient below the belt as he is above the belt. I don't know. But he grabs Max around the face and just tosses him back towards the tanker. And I think he tosses him back towards the tanker because Rictus wants to beat up on him a little bit more. He's not quite done with him yet. Otherwise, he would have just tossed him to the side and it would have been, okay, I guess the movie's over. Now, <laughs> coming back to our nipple focus, if you flip back a couple scenes, you get to see Rictus's nipple in particular. Oh, yeah, like when he was grabbing his face right before he grabbed his face. Yeah, there's there's a cut. Perfect, of, yeah, there look, I go. Look at that. Look at right that. around second 33. Yeah. yeah. Wrinkly nipple. Is, well, the strap around his shoulder is pressing on his peck and kind of yeah, I was squishing the, the nipple weird. His air breather clearly is not super ergonomic and comfortable on his body. Like that is pulling his his pectorals in a very weird fashion, and you know, but also showing that nipple. <laughs> Just one now. Just one. That's what we Can care about now. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we've brought to the podcast. <laughs> now, let's leave Max and Rictus behind for a while because we need to cut inside the Giga Horse where Joe and his smoky eye are. And with the back door open, you can see Furiosa climbing onto the platform and the Prime Imperator is climbing out to deal with her. And Toast probably is thinking of doing something funny, but Joe puts the kibosh on that by sticking a gun square in her face. So she can't do nothing right now. Now, he is not exercising good trigger discipline. Oh, no. He uh, is one bump in the road away from splattering her brain all over the side oh, of yeah. that car. Like, his finger is on that trigger. And actually, in the scene we're looking at, it looks like he's actually already pulled the trigger. Yeah. But, uh, no, not good trigger discipline there. One thing's for sure, it makes Zoe Kravitz back off a little bit. Yep. She's like, okay, I guess I won't try anything weird. Yeah, and we're like an inch away from another nipple shot. Well, it was cold that day. <laughs> It's been cold for days. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Are we ex- are we talking about like Jennifer Aniston, like constant? Yes, constant, no matter, and yes. nobody else's, but nope. just 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 Zoe. Man, yep, yep. Like I said, right. it was cold that day. It's and distracting for her. Yes. And every yes. day of filming. <laughs> <laughs> so cutting outside, Furiosa grabs one of the harpoons out of the turret on the side of the Giga Horse, and she decides she's going to thrust that harpoon down into the Giga Horse. And the Imperator, the Prime Imperator, I should say, he deflects the tip of that harpoon and drags her along with it, and she slams her head against the door frame and flops backwards. That's what she hits. Mm. She hits the door frame okay. of the Giga Horse. Yeah, everything's happening really, really fast right now. That's a, that was a good move by him. Like, that, oh, yeah. that reaction save was It's was a solid. solid hit, and you feel it. With the way they use the sound effect in this shot here where she hits the side of that doorway and it's just a crunk and it's like, oh, God, it hurts. But we need to go to the other side of the war rig real quick because we need to check in on Max and Rictus. And Max is having a very similar situation to the one that he had back in Thunderdome where he's fighting with a dude that is one and a half times his size and he is just getting flopped around and beaten up. It's not great. Equally not great is what the Prime Imperator does to Furiosa once he gets outside, because he stomps down on her real hard. Oh, yeah. Not that's a great a, spot, either. A, is, it a, is it a crotch shot? Yeah. Does he does he crotch her? Little, little oh, yeah. abdomen right there. Oh, but, yeah. All right. But please note, one of my favorite parts about this and the next minute are the parallels of the fight scenes. Mm. You have Furiosa and Max, two characters that clearly are equals and mirror each other in certain ways and they're both getting the tar kicked out of them literally right now and we're doing flash cuts from one to the next to the next and it's just the fights are very paralleled it's just great film it's awesome having kicked furiosa in the lower abdomen i'm just gonna say so we don't have to worry about where exactly she got a boot placed the prime imperator grabs her by her shoulders Leans in real close and then, I guess, tries to intimidate her by doing a... What, how would you describe it? A hiss yell. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a roar, it's not a yell, and it's not completely a hiss, but it's... It's like you said when we were watching the movie, or maybe just earlier, I can't remember, but you were like, he was playing D&D, he rolled for intimidation, and he botched it. Yeah. Like, like he just <laughs> he just botched it. You yeah. lean in to intimidate, you fail. He like, would have been more effective if he just, like, goat screamed at her here, but nope, <laughs> he went for, like, awkward hiss. Was and he it's j- almost like his eyes are crossed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's putting a lot of effort into this hiss. Was he yeah. trying to knock her out with bad breath? I don't know, because once again, good teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Imperators all have good teeth. There's a trend here. Higher up the chain. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's where you get care. the dental plan. Mm-hmm. Doof Warrior, not so much. That's how it no. is in real life. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. She's clearly nonplussed. She gives it right back, it seems. <laughs> that's one of the things I love about Charlize Theron is she can do both. She can show up with her hair all done up in this amazing outfit, but she can also be covered in sweat and dirt and bloody teeth and headbutt people square in the middle of the head. And she knocks this guy back hard and he flops down like a pancake. Look at it, he, He's like shocked that it happened. Like, he's like, what? What? Like, what? My hiss didn't work. <laughs> I used my hiss. You shouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> But he jumps right back up, and she's screaming just as much as he is. And they get up 
level with each other and he's throwing her around and Nux is like, oh, I need to help. And so he accelerates and rams the back of the Giga Horse with the war rig, which actually sends the Prime Imperator and Furiosa flopping over the side of the Giga Horse. And he very quickly gets caught up in the wheels and oh, he's like, goodbye. Wow. Yep. Oh. Speaking of tires, this is a double wide. Yeah. The Giga Horse is a double wide large tired vehicle and he goes twixt the middle. Yeah. I just want to see the filmmaking of this. Like, at what point is it not a human anymore? <laughs> like, 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 when did they... This what? This is the power of CG and S- Seriously, okay, right so here. human, 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 human. What? When is it not a human? Like, they didn't put a real guy through tires, right? Like... <laughs> Oh, man, this is crazy. That's the lovely thing about CGI is you can, like, you can film something like this, a wide shot of people rolling off the side of a vehicle and do it stationary, and then just in post, all right, we'll cut him out here, and we'll put yeah. the digital guy in here and throw this, but like show the wheel spinning. But, like, you're not getting any uncanny valley. It doesn't seem like anything. Do, do you remember when you were a kid or, like, before you, like, really figured out, like, how filmmaking worked? I definitely remember as a kid seeing movies and being like, oh, my God, they killed that guy. Like, <laughs> this is one of those movies where I would be like, oh, my God, those people must be so hurt. I hope they got paid well. Like, <laughs> But Furiosa fares much better. She's able to hook her foot on one of the rear fins of these old Cadillacs here. And her right hand grips onto the rear door handle of the top Cadillac. So she's got a pretty good grip on something that's not just going to flake off. And gripped in her left hand is the harpoon. She still has it. She's managed to come away alive. Her combatant is very dead. Mm -hmm. And she has a weapon. And here at 58 seconds, I don't know if you can tell, but the person you see in this low shot looking up, that is not Charlize Theron. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) There are certain shots where you can very plainly see Charlize Theron's stunt double. Well, she's very good. And if we weren't doing this literally second by second, frame by frame, frame, (laughs) you wouldn't have known. Also, I'm pretty sure at this point of the movie yesterday, I was just like hands over my head, just being like, let me know when it's over. Oh, my God. And this entire week seems to be one series of people just barely noticing things after another. Melita, who has been hanging out on the rig side of the tanker, turns around and she's got the shotgun shell hanging out of her mouth. And she just barely notices that, oh, yeah, Max is getting beaten up by a giant. I might want to do something about that. And that's where we leave off this minute is her turning around. Rictus is mid punch. So we have to put a pin in things. We will be coming back on Friday to talk about Minute 105. I mean, we can admire his shoulder game right here. Like, oh, absolutely. This is where all of that like prison like muscle building like yeah. really shows up. It's got like, some amazing definition. Good job, bro. <laughs> Keep up the protein. So come back on Friday when Max will get the upper hand against Rictus after a well-placed shot from Melita. Furiosa will confront Immortan Joe and perform an improvised mandibulectomy. And everyone begins abandoning the war rig to jump on the Giga Horse. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Bautista of DanielBautista.com. 
Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for madmaxminute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 104 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.